Factors delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan, and veggie, and more. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. What are you guys waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. The options are endless with Factor. Two-minute meals. Fill up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. How about some snacks, some smoothies, and more? Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Factor is also the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, upscale options done easily. And you guys can be very flexible with your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And the most important part, there's no prep. No mess. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. So there's no prepping. There's no cooking or cleanup that is needed. If that sounds great to you guys, head to factormeals.com slash script 50 and use code script 50 to get 50% off. That's code script 50 at factormeals.com slash script 50 to get 50% off. successful why is tony khan running his promotion better than vince mcmahon and bruce pritchard are running monday night and friday night long term booking Thank you so very much for stopping by the channel once again today. It is Friday, February 11th, 2022. I am JD from New York, and this is Off the Script. We got a very much mixed bag of news and rumors today. We got news on WWE going into WrestleMania season, their ratings, their ticket sales, The road to WrestleMania is going to be a very, very bumpy road for Vince McMahon and Bruce Prichard. I got news on Alexa Bliss as well. When we can expect her back on WWE television in the women's division. I got news on Big E. Apparently, everybody believes Big E deserves a little bit better in WWE. Where is the complaints? Or where are the complaints about us, the fans? Don't we deserve better? 
Also, I got news on Keith Lee, Dynamite's ratings, and the community that went into an absolute frenzy, good and bad, over the debut of Keith Lee on AEW Dynamite on Wednesday night. It was tremendous. One of the most perfect debuts probably in the last calendar year for anybody that has stepped foot into AEW. And WWE apparently is interested in Jade Cargill. So uh, what I'm trying to understand here is that WWE is not afraid of AEW. They don't consider them competition, right? But, I mean, with all the names that they have over there employed on the AEW roster, WWE seemingly does want quite a few of them. No, but they're not competition. They're not competition. And I got an exclusive from Ringside News today on Shane McMahon. You guys know the absolute shit show that was the Royal Rumble. Shane McMahon produced the Rumble. He then got fired from WWE. Vince sent him home. Shane McMahon was supposed to be doing this or that or this or that at WrestleMania. And now... WWE scrambling to find the next major star attraction to fill in the void that Shane McMahon is leaving behind. Because Shane McMahon was a major star attraction that that people are going to pay money to come see, right? I I mean, I don't know what world we're living in where Shane McMahon is a fucking star attraction. Give me a goddamn break. With all this, man, this is episode 412 on Off The Script. Thank you guys for joining me on your Friday afternoons, wherever you may be. I will be live tonight for SmackDown and Rampage. SmackDown, not so much, but uh, Rampage is going to be a very, very good show, man. So there's a lot planned for Rampage tonight, but I will be live going over both shows on YouTube from the OTS venue as usual. Make sure you guys... Come and hang out with me, 11.15 tonight, Eastern Standard Time. We will be live on Off The Script. Follow me on social media, at JD from NY206. That's Twitter and Instagram. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. Go get your t-shirts. Bonfire.com is the exclusive home of Off The Script. You guys missed anything on the channel so far this week, there is a ton of content. We went almost nearly three hours on Wednesday talking about everything that came out of that great Dynamite episode. AEW, uh, episode 411 is on the channel. Monday Night Raw, you name it, man. It's on the homepage. Go and check any of that stuff out if you did miss it. And today's show is sponsored by my great friends over at Audible. You guys can get 30 days free of Audible service and one free audiobook. That is audibletrial.com slash scripts. Make sure you guys go and check that out and get yourself some free shit courtesy of Off The Script. Also, once again, thank you to everybody that came out to the meet and greet, the VIP meetup in Atlantic City before Dynamite on Wednesday night. We had a very good turnout at the Tennessee Avenue Beer Hall right before Dynamite in Atlantic City. The cold beverages were flowing. The food was great. The conversation was great. The energy of the OTS family was very present. So I thank you guys for showing up, and I can't wait to do it again in New Jersey. And in general, I can't wait to do it again. I love meeting you guys wherever the podcast goes. Whenever I'm on the road, you can almost guarantee that there will be a VIP meetup 
for Off the Scripts. Let's start at the top, guys. Let's start at the top. WWE ticket sales are absolutely tanking in New York City during WrestleMania season. Everybody wants to tout that Dynamite is down in the ratings. These are absolutely low IQ ghouls on social media. They are not down. In fact, if you actually do a little research, uh, AEW Dynamite and AEW in general, as far as their ratings are concerned, are up significantly year over year. So, I mean, I don't really get the argument about, oh, well, they never did as much as their debut episode on TNT. They never even came close to it. That's how people nowadays gauge if AEW is gaining or losing viewers. They don't take into consideration the DVR uh, situation as well. These people, they just hate for the sake of hating. Meanwhile, WWE, they constantly lose audience every single fucking calendar year. If you look year over year, WWE's probably lost 40% of their fucking audience just from a couple of years ago. Their ticket sales are dreadful. WWE has been notorious with seat fillers because they can't sell out a fucking venue anymore. They're struggling to sell 100,000 tickets times two for WrestleMania in Dallas, Texas. At AT&T Stadium, they didn't sell out Madison Square, uh, Madison Square Garden the last two times that they were there. One for a SmackDown and one for a house show during Christmas. And they're struggling to sell tickets to Madison Square Garden's WrestleMania, Road to WrestleMania show. WWE's in the mud! WWE is in the fucking mud, man. You love to see it. This is what makes me smile. Not because I hate WWE. In fact, it's the opposite. But this is where you have to go to work, man. You got to hit them where it hurts. If WWE is producing god-awful television, which they do on a weekly basis, this is the worst the product has ever looked, ever. This is where you got to go out there and make a stand. Stop buying merchandise. Stop buying tickets. Stop supporting them live. Don't go. Don't waste your money on anything WWE, please. Listen to this report. This is coming from several sources, and WWE right now is losing its grip on the entire New York City market for their annual MSG holiday show in December. Only about half the seats were filled. Inside Madison Square Garden, WWE was outdrawn by. <laughs> no, what, what, what's that? The T-shirt company, right? The T-shirt company outdrew them in New York City. What, what, what was it? 20,000? 21,000 people inside the Arthur Ashe Stadium. Right over here. It's right over here, man. Arthur Ashe Stadium. 21,000 people. For AEW Dynamite Grand Slam. And, and then what was it in uh, in Long Island, right? Almost 10,000 seats in Long Island. WWE couldn't even do four, 5,000 seats, right? Oh, my goodness. In the fucking mud, Bruce. I love to see it. I love to see it. WWE was outdrawn by AEW in Long Island, in New York City. And Vince McMahon appears to be taking this personally. Oh, but I thought they weren't competition, Right? Of course, they're competition, you fucking complete imbeciles. WWE is throwing everything that they have at their next MSG show. So this show is happening on March 5th, folks. 
They only have roughly about 4,000 tickets sold for this March 5th Madison Square Garden show on the road to WrestleMania. Vince McMahon is bringing out the heavy guns for this show. Dave Meltzer wrote about this entire situation and the latest desperate push for WWE to move more tickets. He said this in the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, and I quote, It's pretty clear that Vince McMahon wasn't taking that last Madison Square Garden show uh, doing one of the lowest crowds in the last 80 years lying down. Not only did he add Brock Lesnar to this show on March 5th, and every Lesnar appearance is very expensive, by the way, and hardly cost-effective for a house show, particularly in a building where you need a huge number just to even break even, and really running the building itself. With the crowd they drew the last time, that would be tough. They also added Ronda Rousey to the show. Ronda Rousey will work the house show on 3-6 in Quebec as well, where they're advertising Rousey and Banks, Sasha Banks, versus Charlotte Flair and Shayna Baszler. It's pretty interesting right there. They got Ronda Rousey working a house show, man. I'd actually like to see Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler team up and kind of be a team, man. Maybe they go for the Women's Tag Team Championships. But uh, those Women's Tag Team titles are absolutely irrelevant. They're dead. They are also in the mud as long as uh, WWE continues to bury them the way that they do. They never look good. And those titles, like I said, man, completely irrelevant. I don't even know why they're on television. But I'd like to see Ronda and Shayna Baszler team up and do something. This is the first time that they're on the main roster together. When Ronda was on the main roster, Shayna was still in NXT. So I'd like to see something with those two ladies on the main roster. MSG has a loaded pay-per-view caliber lineup. Bobby Lashley will be going up against Brock Lesnar for the WWE title. Now, we don't know who the WWE champion is going to be. It could be Bobby Lashley winning the Elimination Chamber, or it could be the rumored Brock Lesnar winning the WWE Championship and going on to WrestleMania and challenging Roman Reigns for his Universal title, making it a title versus title match. So we got Lashley versus Lesnar for a WWE title, whoever the champion is. Rollins, Seth Rollins, will be challenging Roman Reigns for the Universal Championship. Becky Lynch will be... Well, what is Becky Lynch doing on this show? I don't even know if she's on this show. Uh, Yeah, Becky Lynch versus Bianca Belair versus Rhea Ripley in a Raw Women's Championship match. And Ronda Rousey and Sasha Banks versus Charlotte Flair and Natalya at this house show. It was Shayna Baszler in the Quebec, Canada show. Not only do you have a house show with Lesnar and Rousey plus Reigns defending, which he never does on these house shows. His matches are always trios matches. There are about 3,800 tickets out the door. When they added Rousey to the show, and that was with Lesnar having already been added to Madison Square Garden a week before. Even with the big lineup, they at press time were only at 3,979 tickets. No doubt they'll start discounting tickets soon. Keep in mind, due to business partnerships in New York and such, that WWE will have to comp more tickets for MSG in general than any other arena. And even AEW had 2,000 business trades in New York, and WWE historically was around 3,000, even up to a few years ago. End quote. I don't want to spend too much time on this, but this is very telling as far as what people are thinking about the overall general feel of the WWE product. This is what I always say 
when I talk about the ratings. Why are the ratings so dismal? Why are the shows so awful? Why aren't people watching? You, you, you just bundle this up into one big discussion. It goes back to presenting people that the general public want to see. How many of these people attending these shows are sick of Bobby Lashley and Roman Reigns and Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair and Sasha Banks, Ronda Rousey? How many people were sick of Ronda Rousey and Brock Lesnar coming out of the Royal Rumble? You're building your entire road to WrestleMania around Brock Lesnar and Ronda Rousey. That really doesn't scream excitement to me. You think people are fucking stupid? You take people to be dumb at that point. Oh, they don't give a shit. They want the big names. People are bored of the same old shit every single year. We want new, upcoming, fresh talents. Why am I going to waste my money to a WWE show when the shows on television are excruciating to sit through? I don't give a fuck how good the live experience for a WWE show is. I'm not spending my money on something that I know is god-awful every single week. This is what I go back to all the time when talking about this. The ratings would be up if the television was up. If the ratings were up, the money, income, and the live shows and merchandise would be up. You produce a shit show, everything's going to be down. You produce a good show, then you're more apt to want to spend money to go see them live. Would you go see your favorite music artist if you've seen them a year and a half, two years ago with their last album, which was critically acclaimed? Or... Would you continue to spend money knowing that their latest album is complete fucking dog shit? You hate it. You don't want to hear play. You don't want to hear them play the majority of their one hour set on the new shit, right? Why would you go actively spend money to see them when you've seen them a couple of times before in the past and their new album is fucking god awful? You don't want to support the new album. It sucks. So you're not going to go and listen to it live if you can barely listen to it in your own time. I don't spend money on shit that I don't like. Clearly, WWE has a fucking problem. They're delusional. Don't spend money on something that you don't like. You don't see me going to WWE shows. Why the fuck would I? I would rather sit here and tear them to fucking pieces every single week. But you do see me attending most of the AW pay-per-views during the year. Why is that? Because I actively enjoy the product. I think the product is fucking significantly better than WWE. And if WWE were the same as AEW, I would pick and choose which shows to go to. But that's not the case. If AEW shows sucked, I wouldn't go and waste my money on an Airbnb and plane tickets and all this other shit, food, drink, and all this other shit that I gotta, you know, uh, take care of on these road trips. I would not. So if you think the shows suck, don't spend your money. That's exactly what's happening here with WWE. Simple. It's a simple fucking thing to figure out. Somebody that is not going to be on that MSG show is Alexa Bliss. Apparently, she's not returning to a WWE ring anytime soon. Good. Good. This is the best news that I could possibly have ever heard, man. Alexa Bliss returned to WWE TV last month, appeared to signal the return of her to the ring, but that is not even the case. Fightful is reporting that WWE has filmed nine therapy segments And only how many weeks have aired? About three weeks now? Three weeks of therapy sessions have aired. It is also noted that it's unclear if all the segments will air or if they will do multiple segments on upcoming episodes. The plan is for the nine segments to air, then it is likely meaning that WWE doesn't have plans for her to return to the ring right now. Bliss hasn't wrestled since losing to Charlotte Flair at Extreme Rules in September of 2021, 
Her storyline with Flair seemed to be leaning towards Bliss shedding the dark side of her character and reverting back to the person she was before when she aligned with Bray Wyatt. In the recent therapy segments, Bliss connected with a replica Lily doll to imply that perhaps she will continue to embrace her dark side. But with the nine segments that have yet to air, there are a lot of ways that they could still go with her character. At this point, WWE has not dropped any hints on who she will be feuding with when she returns to in-ring action. She falls into the category along with Sasha Banks, and Sasha Banks is probably the most digestible of them all. Bailey as well. She falls into the category that Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch currently reside in, and that is way too much of them and way too much being built around them. Alexa Bliss has been given the world in WWE with the most minimal of talent. The woman can't wrestle to save her fucking life. She couldn't wrestle herself out of a fucking plastic bag. Give me a break. Nobody wants to see her on television. Nobody wants to see her in the thick of things for the women's championship. Everybody's kind of over it because what you did with Alexa Bliss coming out of the Bray Wyatt situation, him being released, the character kind of being demolished, and then hints of it or parts of it were given to Alexa Bliss. People are not stupid. They see what you did. It was an extension of Bray Wyatt, and Bray Wyatt wasn't even there. It was an extension of his creation. Yet you continue to fucking move on with it. Nobody wanted to see it. Now she's back, and maybe she's reverting back to what she was, the goddess Alexa Bliss. You see her at the start of these therapy sessions. She was wearing the fun house and the playground attire, right? The colorful shit, the black lipstick. She looked like an evil doll. And now she's becoming a little bit more humanized as the weeks go on in these therapy sessions, which, by the way, are not all that entertaining. I think the most entertaining one was was the first one where she broke all of the shit that was in the doctor's office, throwing shit around. But this Alexa Bliss shit, it's not entertaining. And I honestly don't think at all, at all, she will be in addition to the women's division in a positive way. I, I don't. She can barely do anything right when she's there. Her being gone... I'm speaking, I'm speaking about me, but I'm probably speaking about the majority of you as well. If she disappeared tomorrow, you would not even think about it. So how big of a get is Alexa Bliss on WWE television? I would rather see a Shotzi Blackheart. I would rather see a Tegan Knox, Tony Storm. WWE released the last two of those. Tegan Knox and Tony Storm gone. Shotzi Blackheart probably on her way out. One of these budget cuts that is coming up. She's barely on fucking television. WWE probably will, probably will end up releasing her when all is said and done. WWE doesn't give a shit. This is who they want on television because this is who has developed the fan base. And I find it laughable because you don't give anybody else an opportunity like Alexa Bliss has. So how the fuck do you know that they can't accumulate a fan base like Alexa Bliss? Stupid. Nobody gives a shit about Bliss returning to television, man. In fact, I would rather her be off television for good. She adds nothing of value to the women's division. Ronda Rousey. I don't know what her WWE schedule means, but it was released. Is she going away after WrestleMania? Is she going to be full-time on the roster? Or is she going to have a Brock Lesnar-like schedule? I don't know. Ronda Rousey made a return at the Royal Rumble, won the Women's Royal Rumble, and she's now challenging Charlotte Flair at WrestleMania in Texas for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Her schedule 
As of tonight, she will be on SmackDown from the Smoothie King Center in New Orleans. February 11th rolls through April 3rd, or April 2nd in this case. I believe this will be main eventing night one of WrestleMania with Charlotte Flair. WrestleMania 38. After that, her schedule goes blank. Now, it could be a situation where it just hasn't been released yet. Maybe WWE doesn't doesn't have that part of the schedule planned out in advance yet. I don't know. I don't know. But Ronda Rousey, she signed on for one year. She's making big money for one year. She's doing this year's Mania and next year's Mania. This year against Charlotte, more than likely next year against Becky Lynch, and then that is it. What they do with her and the division while she's here, I don't know, nor am I interested in it because Ronda Rousey was back the first time. She did wonders for the division, and then WWE took everything for granted and took everything for granted and then fucked it up. So I'm not really all that excited about Ronda Rousey being back. In my eyes, this second go-around is more of an unwelcome situation for Ronda Rousey. I don't really care what she does or who she's in the ring with. I've seen enough of Ronda Rousey in the first go-around that I don't really need to see it again. And you can blame WWE for that. They ruined my Ronda Rousey taste for this second go-around in the company. But I don't know what type of schedule she has. I would rather her do a very limited schedule like a Brock Lesnar. I don't think she's really all that needed there. How many matches are you going to get out of Ronda that are legitimately exciting? Sasha Banks, we've seen it. Charlotte, we've seen it. Becky, we've seen it. The only match that makes sense for Ronda is against Becky because they never got their one-on-one match. Charlotte's only thrown into this thing because, God forbid, Charlotte is not wrestling Ronda Rousey. She's got to get her name out there. She's got a main event WrestleMania, and that's the only thing she fucking cares about. The division, Charlotte doesn't give a shit about the division Becky doesn't give a shit about the division. Ronda doesn't give a shit about the division. All they care about is their name value, their spotlight, and their paycheck. The division could be fucking in a complete shithole for all that they care. But Ronda, I don't know who else she is really going to go up against. Bianca, maybe? Maybe Asuka? I would say the top three. I will, I, maybe Rhea. Rhea Ripley, Bianca Bella, and Asuka. That's pretty much it. There's nobody else on that division that I would really be interested in seeing in the ring with Ronda Rousey. Ronda Rousey herself isn't even all that good. She had a very rough time coming out at the Royal Rumble and really kind of getting acclimated with the WWE audience again. She's still holding the audience accountable for them turning on her in the last couple of months of her first run. And she doesn't know how to handle that. She thinks this is UFC where you could go out there Be Ronda Rousey and shit on the fans, whether you're a babyface or a heel. It doesn't work that way. You are a babyface. You are wrestling Charlotte Flair, who is a heel, a bad heel, but a heel nonetheless. You can't shit on the fans and then go into a match with somebody like Charlotte Flair, who the fan base doesn't give a fuck about, and then have that match in jeopardy at WrestleMania. We need to care about something there because it's WrestleMania. And right now, I think the overall general feeling here. With the way Ronda Rousey's been presented, with her being back, with her kind of shitting on the fans right from the word go in this second run, I don't think many people are intrigued about a Ronda Rousey-Charlotte Flair match. So we will see what is going to happen with her character development moving forward as we get closer to WrestleMania and what her schedule is going to look like. The Brock Lesnar schedule is probably best for Ronda Rousey, but at the end of the day, Fox wanted her on SmackDown. WWE paid her big money to be back for the year. She'll probably be on television more than Brock Lesnar throughout the remainder of 2022. 
WWE locker room is upset about Big E getting shafted. They feel that Big E deserves better. And they claim he's a magnificent human being who doesn't deserve this type of treatment. You know, I could go and pull up a list of WWE champions and cry the same way everybody's crying about Big E losing the WWE championship. Man, I've never seen so many fucking crybabies in my entire life. Seriously, if you gave a shit about Big E, I don't know why you didn't watch or more people watch the fucking show when he was WWE champion. WWE accumulated some of the lowest ratings in the history of Raw while this man was the WWE champion. What is so difficult to understand about why they took the title off of him? They were making no progress. It's not that big of a deal. Social media is pretending like somebody was fucking murdered when Big E was stripped of the WWE Championship because of Brock Lesnar. Give me a break. This is not the end of the world. There are other people that I'm sure could be in this same discussion. Oh, he deserved better. Oh, she deserved better. Yada, yada, yada. Where's this same energy for Bianca Belair? That lasted a week. This is still ongoing with Biggie. I don't understand why. Get over it. It's not coming back. And if it does, it won't be seen for a very, very long time. PW Torch, Wade Keller. He talked about how the feeling in the WWE locker room is following Big E losing at day one and then being moved Back to SmackDown and placed in a tag team with Kofi Kingston right back into the new day. Wade Keller says this, and I quote, I've asked around, and all I've gotten is people who are really upset, you know, because the rug is being pulled out from underneath him, and I haven't heard anything about there being an awareness of an issue with him, and I think the people I have asked would know that. Keller says he hasn't heard anything negative about Big E, and that would, you know, Kind of be true, I guess. I never heard one single bad thing about Big E from any publication or any newsletter or any dirt sheet writer as long as I've been doing this. Now, if Big E had some negative aura about him or if he was a troublemaker backstage, then WWE would push him back down the card. And you would have already seen that. But I don't think that's the case. So... Wade Keller goes on to say this, and I quote, Big E doesn't seem like the type of person who would do anything that anyone else would see as a problem. But, you know, I could imagine him not knowing his place, according to some management, and maybe they feel that now they're going to teach him a lesson because he dared to push back against something he didn't like that he was being asked to do. But I haven't heard anything concrete as far as that goes. That could be true. We 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 won't know that, and we don't know that at this current time because Big E's not the type of guy that's going to go out there on social media and complain He seems like a very loyal individual, so he's not going to come out here and outwardly blast WWE for a bad creative decision. He's not going to go out there and like tweets about what fans say or if he agrees with something bad that's happened to him, he's not going to go out there and show it through liking tweets or Instagram posts or anything like that. He remains in his lane on social media and keeps his feelings to himself and off of social media. Wade Keller added that people in the locker room always have great things to say about him. And feel that he deserves better. Keller said this, and I quote, One person described him as a magnificent human being who doesn't deserve this treatment. End quote. You know, I pulled up a list of 
past WWE champions, let's go back to about the end of 2020. I don't want to go too far because it really is a moot point at that point. Drew McIntyre won the WWE Championship at WrestleMania 36. He lost it to Randy Orton in October. That was at the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. Randy Orton held the WWE title for 22 days. Drew McIntyre won it back. He only held it for 97 days. I could come on here and easily say that I think Drew McIntyre deserved a lot better from WWE, the way that they booked him, the way that they treated him, and the way that they took the championship off of him when they really shouldn't have taken the championship off of him. I could say that, but I didn't, and I won't. The Miz. The Miz held the title for eight days. He beat Drew McIntyre at the Elimination Chamber, cashed in his money in the bank contract. I could say the same thing about The Miz. Oh, The Miz deserved better, right? Miz is a great heel to some. He's boring, and I don't really get how important Miz is to current WWE television right now. When I look at The Miz, I see boredom. I see WWE that I would rather not watch on a weekly basis when I see The Miz. But The Miz is a Hall of Famer. Whether you like him or not, The Miz is a Hall of Famer. I could easily come on here and claim that The Miz deserved better than holding the WWE title for eight days. Bobby Lashley won the WWE title. That was on Raw in St. Petersburg. He held the title for 196 days. Bobby Lashley had a decent reign. Was it great? No. Was his character booked better than any time in his previous WWE run? Absolutely. It finally clicked. The whole Hurt Business and the almighty shtick worked. Big E won the WWE title. He held it for 110 days. He won it in Boston on Raw. It shouldn't have been the case. You're lucky you even got that. So why are you complaining? WWE gave it to you because you've asked for it. And then when they take it away, oh, it's not good enough. Oh, it's not long enough. Oh, they did him dirty. He's a magnificent human being. He does so much for the community. Blah, 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 blah. Brock Lesnar won the WWE title at day one. He held it for 27 days. Bobby Lashley won it at the Royal Rumble. He is now WWE champion coming out of the Royal Rumble, going into the Elimination Chamber. I don't understand you people. John Cena held the WWE Championship in 2017. He won it at the Royal Rumble. He held it for 14 days before he lost it to Bray Wyatt at the Elimination Chamber that year. I could easily come on here and say, John Cena was doing some of the best work of his career. He could have deserved better than that, right? Bray Wyatt held the title for 49 fucking days. He should have never lost the WWE title. You know what they did to the WWE title? They put it on Randy Orton to drop it to Jinder fucking Mahal, who held it for 170 days. Fuck your Big E deserves better. Cry me a fucking river. Big E deserves better. You're lucky you got one. Some people don't even get one. Fucking bullshit. I wish Twitter was blown up and it would disappear today. Never seen such stupid fucking takes in my entire life. Cry this, cry that, cry this. Where are you fucking people every week crying for a better show? I don't 
don't see you doing it. The only one I see doing it is myself as I look at myself through this fucking camera. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. God, the community is so fucking garbage. Oh my God, Big E held the title for 110 days. Let me go on social media and rant about it. Maybe they'll listen. <laughs> Big E, Big E, right? Yeah, he's going to get his just desserts because Bruce Pritchard feels bad for you. Give me a fucking break. People are absolutely fucking mental. Mental! Belong in a fucking asylum. Never mind Twitter. Moving on. We'll talk about delusional Mickey James later, man. A a little bit later. You got to hear this story. Speaking of fucking delusional and mental. Dynamite. Wednesday's Dynamite topped 1.1 million viewers. Number one on cable. So what does this mean to me? What does this mean to you and me? huh? Monday Night Raw. Do I got the raw rating here? Let me see if I got the raw rating. Raw rating. 1.387 million viewers on Sci-Fi, which is down from the 1.865 million viewers the show did last week on the USA Network. The 18 to 49 demo for Raw was a 0.36. That was down from the 0.47, the rating in the 18 to 49 demo did last week. This week, with the number one rating for uh, AEW Dynamite, they did in the demo, they did a 0.41 in the 18 to 49 demo. Wow. So this show on Dynamite, they actually outdrew everything else on cable television as they were ranked number one in the cable top 154 Wednesday night, they beat out South Park, they beat out the Olympics, they beat out a basketball game. So what this means to me, if you really want to dissect the entire ratings war between the E and AEW, is WWE was moved off their flagship network on USA for the Olympics because USA prioritizes the Winter Olympics, the Winter fucking Olympics. Who the fuck watches the Winter Olympics, right? They prioritize the Winter Olympics over WWE television, WWE Raw, right? Their flagship show. They prioritize the Winter Olympics, moved Monday Night Raw to sci-fi, and here we have AEW Dynamite beating out the Winter Olympics 
on Wednesday night. WWE in the fucking mud. You love to see it. You love to see it. If there's one thing that is for certain, it's my buddy TK. Good old Tony Khan knows how to hype a show. He knows how to be a wrestling promoter. He may be over-embellishing on things at times. He may get a little antsy, a little finger-happy, trigger-happy with the Twitter send button. Like, he's not perfect by any means. But when he wants to drum up hype, Tony Khan knows how to drum up hype. Tony Khan listens to the fan base. And that's why we in the community, people like me and a couple other people that are really enjoying the AW product, not because it's the true alternative, because, yes, I'm sure wrestling would be great if WWE was the only game in town, right? Yeah, I'm sure you'd be fucking thrilled about that, you fucking mental retards. Man. I, I don't believe you people in the community. If, if AEW was not around, WWE would continue to put on garbage television, and then where will your complaints be then? But Tony Khan listens to the fan base. He listens. We have this... It's not like a friendship or anything like that, but there's a closeness to Tony Khan and AEW and the roster to the community. We don't have that type of feeling with WWE. That's why we all gravitate to what AEW is doing. They're fans just like we're fans. And it's presented in the whole roster and what Tony Khan is doing. We're involved. That's why AEW is such a great thing for the community, but... You know, I, I want to hear I want to hear people complain about the Monday Night Raw. Oh, it was on Sci-Fi. Oh, it got moved to Sci-Fi. This is a product that's been on USA Network almost since its inception. This has been their home for many, many years, decades, decades worth of WWE have been on USA Network. WWE Raw has been on television since January of 1993. Where did the audience go? If WWE was producing great fucking television, don't you think that they would have been uh, doing a better rating uh, compared to the 1.38 that they did on Monday night? It's not the Winter Olympics' fault. It's not South Park's fault. It's not Monday night football's fault. It's not the baseball playoffs or the basketball playoffs or NHL or the football fucking postseason. It's not some fucking random television show that is generating a bigger rating. It's not anybody's fault but Vince and Bruce. You produce a better show, people would go out there and actively find where it is to watch. The fact that Monday Night Raw is absolutely nonsensical fucking, I don't give a fuck if I miss it or not television, shows you that people are more apt to miss it and then not give a shit that they missed it. If it was priority television, then people would go out and watch it. But it's not. For all the hate that AEW gets, I really, really hope that you're considering keeping that same energy when you talk about how bad Monday and Friday night are. It doesn't really reflect the rating. It doesn't. Most of the wrestling community have low IQs, man. Their IQ is that is of that of a fucking crayon box. You can't take what half of these fucking idiots. Say seriously. They watch out of habit. I watch because it gets me paid and I love my audience. Good or bad, I'm here no matter what. And most of the days I'm here, it's fucking bad. Really 
really bad. Congrats to Tony Khan. He knows what the fuck he's doing. Keith Lee. Keith Lee. Dynamite was up big because of the debut of Keith Limitless Lee. We made fun of him in WWE. Raw. Bearcat, right? Comes out with this fucking raw in his theme music. Comes out with fucking purple bear claws across his tights. Bearcat, it said. They put him in a singlet. They changed his fucking theme music three fucking times. Gave him a fucking gimmick that the community said was a throwback to Bearcat Wright, right? Give me a fucking break. Where'd you get that one? Typical defense of the E, and nobody does any backtracking or referencing or historical fucking factual information. Nothing of that nature is brought to the fucking spotlight that they assume. And then Keith Lee himself kind of put it down. No, it was not. It was not my idea. Yes, because all of a sudden they're going to drum up influence from Bearcat Wright for Keith Lee, right? Give me a fucking break. The guy made his name off his fucking name, his real name, and himself. The fuck does he need Bearcat for? What am I watching? A cartoon show or a 350-pound ex-football player wanting to throw fucking people around? Which one is it? Keith Lee debuted on Dynamite. He thanked his fans on social media following the show. Lee revealed to the AEW fan base as Tony Khan's surprise, he defeated Isaiah Cassidy to earn a spot in the face of the revolution ladder match at AEW's Revolution pay-per-view in March, on March 6th. Now, I don't really mind that. I don't mind that Keith Lee's in that match. He could do uh, massive damage with a ladder. I'm very interested to see what he would actually do in a match like that. But it's a safe match for him to be in. It's a safe match for him to be in. It's not a one-on-one match where he's going to be booked over another top-tier guy and somebody's going to look bad in a loss, and then he Keith Lee obviously needs the win. This is a great role for him because he's going to be in a match with five other guys. He's going to be the sixth guy, I believe. I believe their ladder matches usually consist of six people. That's the way I prefer it if they do these multi-man matches. WWE likes to go eight or ten or whatever the fucking case may be just to fill the card with a bunch of people that somehow don't deserve it. But him and him in a ladder match, it, it really it is a great spotlight because he's not going to be pinned and he could lose the match and it's not going to really be a detriment to Keith Lee and what they did for his almost perfect debut. So I think that works out great there. Following Lee's appearance, Khan confirmed that AEW had signed Keith Lee. Keith Lee on Twitter admitted that a sign he saw in the crowd touched his soul. Ready to get back on the grind. Keith Lee said this, and I quote, We got a lot of work to do still, but I am more than appreciative of the warm welcome back. The person with the sign that had the same silhouette that's on the front of my hoodie, thank you, touched my soul. And with said family times hopefully behind me, let's grind. Hashtag forward march. Lee's Dynamite debut was his first match since October 25th, 2021. Rawr! Keith Lee. Bearcat! Keith Lee, right? He was released from his WWE contract in November. A new report also emerged that Keith Lee was in WWE... They worked his gimmick several times over, and Keith Lee and his weight was seen as an issue 
in WWE for a variety of reasons, including medical. In the latest edition of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, Dave Meltzer noted that Keith Lee's size was viewed as a problem following his WWE return after recovering from health issues as a result of contracting COVID-19. Meltzer says, and I quote, but his weight is an issue, particularly going forward when he could be called on to do longer matches and to avoid injuries. According to those in WWE, it was an issue there because of him coming back from COVID and health issues, and he looked heavier here than three months ago in WWE when he was caught, end quote. I I don't find this to be that big of a deal. Keith Lee was always a big guy. Sometimes people are going to make an issue out of something, and it's beyond their control. How many times did we hear Bray Wyatt was overweight? How many times did we hear Kevin Owens was overweight? You can't change the body type and the metabolism of some guys. To me, Bray Wyatt was never overweight. Bray Wyatt was always a husky guy. No pun intended. Same thing with Kevin Owens. He's just a husky guy. Doesn't mean he can't move. Doesn't mean he can't work. Doesn't mean that he's going to have terrible matches in WWE. That's just the way that it is. Same thing goes for Keith Lee. You think Keith Lee's the type of guy that is going to listen to this criticism and do nothing about it? Guarantee you, Keith Lee, after that debut, seeing how important this was, not only for AEW, for himself, but the fans, he's going to actively try and make himself better. The fact that he's even fucking wrestling now should be a blessing to everybody. I don't see why anything or anybody or anything really should be a complaint or why anybody should be complaining about Keith Lee being back in pro wrestling. And here's a little fucking spoiler for you guys. Oh, he's another ex-WWE disgruntled talent. He was fired! The guy had his theme music changed three times! He came out wearing a fucking skirt on night one. They had him working a big man style like Mark Henry and Kane. Instead of sending Keith Lee out there to go out there and do what Keith Lee brought him to the dance. Instead of doing what he was molded into being. An athletic guy that's a freak of nature. They tried to stop it and have him work a fucking methodical, slow, heel style. Yes, because that's WWE grasping at how to create new talent, right? Keith Lee should have been one of the most easiest guys in the entire business to go out there and make money off of. This guy was a first time ever NXT and NXT North American champion. He held the world title and the North American championship at the same fucking time. The only person in NXT history to do that. The amount of matches he's had in NXT with Adam Cole, Johnny Gargano, Dominic Dijakovic, and whoever else was down there while he was down there. He never had a bad match, ever. He never went 30 minutes either in NXT. So I don't understand how people are out here complaining about Keith Lee being overweight. Do you expect him to go out there and have fucking 60-minute matches like Brian Danielson? Or do you want Keith Lee to find some level of success? And the fact that he's back 
being a blessing in WWE. The, the fact that he overcame COVID the way that he did, almost dying, he said. He almost lost his life. But people want to complain that he's overweight. People want to complain that he's an ex-disgruntled WWE superstar. Go back and watch his match with Dijakovic at TakeOver Portland. How long did that match go? 12 minutes? 13 minutes? Didn't that match open the show? That match was tremendous. I don't need Keith Lee to go more than 15, 20 max. You guys are making a fucking weight issue out of absolutely nothing. He'll lose the weight. If he can't, he'll lose some of the weight. But why are we automatically picking out the negative in a situation where this guy is even lucky to be alive? The fact that he wants to continue to wrestle, everybody should shut their fucking mouth. WWE failed, Keith Lee. If you aren't a fan of Keith Lee based on what WWE did to him, you're not a fan of professional wrestling. This guy coming out of NXT was ready-made, tailor-made to be at the top of the fucking card. Sky had a WrestleMania moment ready and waiting to happen with Brock Lesnar. They put him in the ring with Brock Lesnar and gave him a moment in the Royal Rumble a couple years ago. So much that I got a fucking reaction out of Brock Lesnar. Oh, big boy, right? What about the Roman Reigns fist bump? You mean to tell me that that isn't enough of an endorsement? The number one guy in the industry right now, Roman Reigns, giving Keith Lee an endorsement. And WWE never followed up on it. They proceeded to give this guy silly gimmicks, keep him off television, bury him, make a mockery out of him. For what? He's overweight? Yeah, I'm sure that was a fucking issue. It always is an issue with WWE. It's one of the reasons why Samoa Joe was never fucking hired years ago before they finally said, you know what, let's bring him in. Or I should say, let me rephrase that, Triple H brought him in. They always thought he was a fat Samoan. WWE has body issues. They are very discriminative when it comes to somebody's look and appearance. They won't hire men that look like Samoa Joe or Keith Lee. They won't hire a fucking broad unless she has big fucking jugs and a fat fucking ass. And if you take that to be anything but uh, anything uh, at all, it is WWE that is the one to be blamed, not me. That's the way it is. That is the way it is. Their ways are the wrong ways. Blame them. I'm just giving it to you how it is. This is how they are. They're the sexist ones. They're the discriminatory ones. Not me. Okay? Or not anybody that brings up that fucking point. WWE dropped the ball with Keith Lee. If you are complaining about this man being on AEW television, then you are not a fan of professional wrestling, and you're not a fan of Keith Lee. Get the fuck out. The fact that this man's on TV wrestling after having major health issues that almost took his life from COVID should be more than enough for you to go out there and watch a show that you may not like, but support him and what he's doing for himself. Fucking disgusting. The fan base is disgusting. They all want to complain. Oh, Tony Khan, uh, he can't bring a rating in without a big surprise. Tony Khan's bringing in fucking surprises. He's bringing in talents. He's bringing in a bunch of shit to AEW to keep the excitement going. There's a plan in place. The more people come in, year ones are going to be on their way out. Tony Khan should not have to fucking ask his 
his uh, financial advisors on social media about how much money he's able to spend. I'm not sure some fucking idiot with 4,000 subs and a dead channel is the right one to be a financial advisor to Tony Khan. Not everybody gets exclusive deals. Some people are brought in on a part-time basis. Most of the talent that he brings in for Dark and Dark Elevation are brought in on pay-by-appearance basis. Like, I don't understand you people. What is so difficult to figure out? Let Tony Khan handle the financial things. You shut your fucking mouth and be excited that WWE isn't the only game in town. I'd love to see half of these fucking people on social media. If WWE was the only game in town, the fact that you have a true alternative in professional wrestling right now and you're still unhappy, Jesus fucking Christ, man. I thought they were fucking dumb. I lose IQ reading some of the shit I see on social media. Keith Lee is going to be a major deal in AEW. Is he going to be a ratings draw? Nobody's a ratings draw. In 2022, nobody's a ratings draw. There is so many ways to digest television now. Streaming is the number one way people get their fix, whether it's pay by subscription services, YouTube, the internet, clips on Twitter. People want to digest most of what they see in as little time as possible. But I'm not saying Keith Lee's going to be a big deal, a major game changer. When I say game changer, I don't mean he's going to automatically bring AEW to a 2 million rating on, on Wednesday nights. I don't mean that. He's going to be a game changer because look at what he did in his personal life to get back here. Look at the inspiration the man is. Maybe somebody else is going through the same thing and he joins AEW and is successful doing it. That gives hope and and some sort of, you know, mental, mental environment to somebody that may be going through the same thing. If Keith Lee could do it, I'm the same type uh, of guy as Keith Lee. Big build, you know, very difficult to lose weight. I'm more on the Husky side. Maybe that gives them the mentality of of saying, hey, I can do that too. Keith Lee is going to be the first black athlete that you call AEW World Heavyweight Champion. It's not going to happen overnight, but it's going to happen. And he's going to be the gate opener. He's going to open those gates for everybody else that you want in that role. He's going to be the one to step through those gates the first time, and it's going to open up like a fucking flood. Watch. This guy is going to do big things. Stop complaining about his weight. Stop complaining that he's not going to be able to give you 10 minutes. He's going to get winded, this and that. Were you happy with his debut? Everybody was. It was a perfect debut. He threw his weight around. He gave you a little bit of that. He gave you the athleticism. He gave you a little bit of that. He had his new theme music that he seemed happy with. Everybody couldn't wait to hear. It's now uploaded on YouTube. There were signs in the crowd. They were chanting Bask in his glory. I mean, let the guy have his moment. Why is there so much hate when it comes to anybody coming over from the E joining AEW? Are you going to show Tony Storm that same type of energy? Are you going to show Ember Moon that same type of energy? Are you going to show John Morrison that same type of energy? Maybe a killer cross. What about a Bray Wyatt? They were fucking fired! If WWE knew how to handle talent, then they wouldn't have been fired. So you want AEW to leave them on the free agent market after WWE seemingly said, yeah, we got no value in you. We see nothing in you, right? Give me a fucking break. 
Stop crying because WWE let you down and now you got to project your anger onto Tony Khan. It's not his fucking fault that they got fired. It's not his fucking fault that WWE doesn't know how to book for shit. It's fucking laughable, man. What a joke. What a joke. Tony Khan comments on Kenny Omega's AEW hiatus. He was on Busted Open Radio. And then he was on PW Insider. He spoke to PW Insider. He talked about all the happenings this week in AEW. He spoke with Mike Johnson. And during this interview with PW Insider, he commented on Omega. He put over Omega for being one of the greatest wrestlers of all time and a dominant champion. Said he personally misses Omega being around. Khan stated that Omega is healing from various injuries and was really beat up when he was wrestling. He says, and I quote, now it's time for him to rehabilitate and heal. And he's going to come back stronger and come back, I hope, as good as ever. I really believe the stuff he did while he was physically limited was also impressive. I think he's absolutely the wrestler of the year for 2021. And I'm very excited for Kenny Omega's return in 2022. It'll be a long time coming and we'd expect, or we would be excited to have him back, end quote. Khan continued by saying Omega was putting himself through grueling matches every week while dealing with injuries, and he never took time off. Kenny Omega could stay out as long as he wants. The depth of that roster gives you and the fans an AWA easy blow. When someone like that goes out, look at how many top guys they have to fill his role. Imagine when he comes back how, how even better the roster is going to be. So when everybody wants to snide at Tony Khan and be snarky with Tony Khan, oh, how many, how many guys you bringing? How many women are you bringing in? You know, how much uh, payroll are you giving out? The bloated roster, yada, yada, yada. When someone like Kenny Omega goes down, look at how many people underneath him fill that spot, and it's almost as if he's not missing. You don't miss him as much. You miss him, but you don't miss him. If Roman Reigns went down, who the fuck is there? We were complaining when Drew McIntyre went there. Who the fuck is there? WWE has nobody. One injury to WWE is the bridge crumbling down. AEW gets an injury like this to somebody like Kenny Omega. Nobody even blinks an eye. Why? Because the roster is that deep. Tony Khan also talked about what I just mentioned. Several AEW contracts expiring or set to expire. He talked about this as well in a TV Insider interview with Scott Fishman. He says, and I quote, when we started, a lot of people at contracts that were a couple of years long and a lot of them are coming up. I have really tried hard to be very considerate of the people on the roster, especially going through the pandemic. That encompassed a long period of time where we still were in our first year of television and going into our second. Now with so many wrestlers coming in, I can't renew all the contracts. I had to make some tough choices based on ability, fan response, or both. I try to maintain the best roster I can, for the company and the fans, end quote. Tony Khan is aware of it. So the financial advisors out there to Tony Khan on social media, he is aware of it. Let him handle the money issues. It's not going to be any of your concern. All the year ones more than likely will be on their way out to make room for all of the new upcoming talent that's going to take AEW into the future many, many, many years to come, as well as get another guaranteed multi million-dollar deal from Time Warner. Don't worry about it. We talked about Kenny Omega's injury. Eddie Kingston is out with injury, and Dave Meltzer is reporting that Kenny uh, Eddie Kingston is on his way back and is expected to return next week 
to in-ring action. As of this writing, it's unknown whether he is actually cleared or not. AEW is yet to confirm anything for Kingston on next week's Dynamite or Rampage. Before he was pulled from television, Kingston had aligned himself with Chris Jericho, Ortiz, and Santana for a feud with Daniel Garcia, Jeff Parker, and Matt Lee of 2.0. Kingston's last match was against Joey Janela during the January 8th AEW dark tapings. His injury resulted in not only him being sidelined in AEW, but also missing the major GCW show at the Hammerstein Ballroom. He was supposed to be in a match on that show as well. Eddie Kingston will be back. Another one of those injuries that you really don't miss because the depth is so deep on the AEW roster. And I don't know where he was going as far as storyline-wise, but it seemingly was heading in a direction where Chris Jericho and Eddie Kingston may have been booked for Revolution. That still might be the case because Santana and Ortiz, they're battling Jericho and Jake Hager next week on Dynamite in a clash of inner circle stablemates. Inner Circle's about to be broken up. Santana Ortiz about to go on their own, hopefully this year, maybe towards an AEW Tag Team title run, which I think everybody's excited about. And then Eddie Kingston being mentioned several times in that promo by the LAX guys and by Jericho. Maybe he shows up next week during their match. Maybe we still end up getting that Jericho match with Eddie Kingston. If not, you know, he could always be aligned with Moxley. Moxley feuded with... Uh, or Moxley was about to feud with Dan, uh, Brian Danielson. They may be heading towards something, towards Revolution. He may be thrown into that. Moxley was just teaming with CM Punk on Dynamite. It, it may all kind of transpire there. He may get added to that. Maybe something comes out of that. There are things for him to do. Eddie Kingston is so talented and so desirable as an on-air performer that it would be easy for him to slot into anything and make anything good. So I'm not really worried about where he's going to fit in. The fact that he's healthy, had some time off to lick his wounds a little bit and get healthy, that's all that really matters as far as Eddie Kingston is concerned. WWE is interested in Jade Cargill. I'm sure they are. Andrew Zarian of the Matt Man Podcast has stated that WWE is reportedly interested in Jade Cargill as of now, being that they've been given a chance to see what she can do on television. Zarian says WWE officials have been very impressed with Cargill's performances as of late. And the funny thing is, she hasn't even been all that great. They're intrigued, and they're interested, and they like what they see based on what we were given so far in this 27-0 run that she's on as TBS champion. She isn't even all that great yet. But WWE has an eye out for Jade Cargill. I know for a fact, Andrew Zarian says, that people in WWE are interested in her now, that they've gotten to see what she can do on TV. This comes on the heels of WWE were also being reportedly interested in Wardlow and MJF as well. Cargill actually talked about why she didn't go to WWE. Cargill was on Talk of Jericho recently and discussed her reasons for choosing to sign with AEW over WWE. She noted that the WWE contract that was sent to her was, you know, it was, I guess, desirable, right? And she ultimately chose to sign with AEW. So WWE sent me this contract. They wanted me to do it. AEW came about, and I came here. I got the experience. I felt calm. I remember you and I had this conversation in the car. It made me feel at ease about the decision that I wanted to make. I didn't have to relocate. I felt at home. I could call Tony Khan and talk to him. He knew my name. He knew my purpose. He knew that I wanted to do this and that I wasn't just a number. He knew exactly who I was, so that made me feel comfortable. 
end quote. Cargill is undefeated right now, TBS champion, 27-0, and she was just on TV as of Wednesday in a title defense against one of Booker T students, AQA, on AEW Dynamite. I'm glad she made the decision that she did, and the one thing that really sticks out to me is the fact that she said that she can have a conversation with Tony Khan. She could feel at home. I didn't have to relocate. Uh, He knows exactly what I want. He knew my name. He knew my purpose. He knew I wanted to do this. I just wasn't a number. WWE would have brought in Jade Cargill, and they probably wouldn't have pushed her at all. Maybe maybe kind of similar to what Rhea Ripley's doing. And then she just would have been another statistic on WWE television, no matter how great she looked. Bianca Belair looks fantastic. She looks just as good as, as a Jade Cargill. Better in the ring, too. And WWE hasn't done jack shit with Bianca Belair. They took everything away from Bianca Belair to stifle her momentum, and they did nothing to follow it up with building her up to be bigger. She's no bigger than she was when she lost the championship or won the championship from Sasha Banks. So now everybody's clamoring up. Bianca's going to get her uh, revenge on Becky Lynch. What does it mean? She's no better for it. She's no better for it. You, you can't sit there and tell me that Bianca Belair is better off by beating Becky Lynch at WrestleMania instead of doing it against Sasha Banks in what was described as one of the most incredible and important matches for the culture. You can't sit there and tell me that it's more important than what she and Sasha Banks did at WrestleMania last year. It's bullshit. If you are, and if you are one of those people saying it, you're outright lying to your audience. This match with Becky potentially coming up means nothing. Now, we don't even know if it's Bianca Belair. Could be Bailey. Could be Rhea Ripley. Could be Asuka. Could be a mixture of everybody, being that nobody is going to sit out WrestleMania, right? I would assume so. You're not going to leave those women off of WrestleMania's card. But Bianca Belair is just as impressive, aesthetically, like a Jade Cargill. Where, where is she? Where is she? Meanwhile, Jade, Jade is actually higher in the pecking order right now than Bianca Belair. And that itself, speaking of which, would be a great match to see when the time is right, when Jade is at that level. Because Bianca will be better than where she is now, and Jade, I would assume, I hope so, is going to be better a year or two from now. Of course, WWE wants Jade Cargill. No, but AEW isn't competition to WWE, right? But they want Maxwell Jacob Friedman. They want Wardlow. They want Jade Cargill. Who else do they fucking want, right? WWE are petty. I'm glad Jade made the decision. Keep them begging. Keep them wanting. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Jade is never going to go to WWE. Maybe she accomplishes everything that she could do in AEW. At some point or another, she's going to want to be the queen of that division, holding the major women's world championship. Maybe at that point, three, four, five years from now, maybe young enough, she says, you know what? I want to go venture off and accomplish more things in the world of professional wrestling. Maybe she falls out of love with wrestling. I don't know. But I could see her in WWE. I could. When the time is right, if she wants to accomplish more in her career. Right now, She ain't going anywhere. And if you think Tony Khan is going to allow her to go anywhere after hearing news like this, she's going to make bank no matter where she goes. Tony Khan knows, loves that woman, and he knows exactly what he's got in Jade Cargill. She's not going anywhere. This is all bullshit to get the clicks and the views and get people talking about whatever. 
Andrew Zarin is always great at what he does, but I don't really consider this major news right now. If you're a pro wrestling promoter, clearly you'd be interested in Jade Cargill. Clearly. Isaiah Swerve Scott is also a free agent. He is drawing interest from multiple promotions. Fightful Select is reporting that higher-ups in multiple companies have an interest in bringing him in, and one major company already has plans in place to work with him in some capacity. The report stated AEW asked about his status extremely early in his free agency to gauge when he'd be available. Also, New Japan Pro Wrestling in the USA has also made a very firm overture in regards to using him in the future. Many expect also MLW to reach out to him as well. MLW just recently brought in Killer Cross. They teased him coming on in. He's about to make his MLW uh, debut over there. So I could see that happening. I could see him working MLW. I could see him working New Japan. I could see him working AEW. He's going he's gonna to be fine. He was always fine. In WWE, he could have been breakout. Could have been breakout material. They clearly dropped the ball on him as well. Don't know why. Guy like that with the talent that he possesses, you can't find a role for him alone on television? Goes to show you they don't know what the fuck they are doing. In WWE, well under NXT, he was the Cruiserweight Champion and he was the North American Champion, but he didn't really do much with that championship. Hit Row was formed, got called up way too soon, was fired two months after their call-up from NXT. For whatever reason, I gave you my reasons. No reason why any of them should have been fired. They should have been a major stay on SmackDown, a major group on SmackDown. They fired all of them. The only thing I could come up with is the fact that Triple H had a hand in creating them, and Bruce and Vince didn't get it, so they let them go. Yes, fuck Triple H and everything that he did for them. We don't need it. It's not going to get over. This is not what we want on our television. This is not going to really be the audience we want to gravitate towards. Isaiah Swerve Scott, Shane Strickland is going to be fine. He's one of the most talented guys in all of the industry. Shane McMahon, Ringside News, is reporting that Shane McMahon and his WrestleMania replacement has already been decided by Vince McMahon. Now, as you guys know, Vince decided to send Shane McMahon home. Shane was sent home after a nightmare Royal Rumble this year. Ringside News was first to exclusively report the huge story about Shane McMahon being fired. This also means that Shane McMahon lost his Elimination Chamber spot. And he lost his WrestleMania spot. But WWE did not waste any time filling his slot. A report came out this week that said WWE is trying to find an attraction to replace Shane McMahon. It was said that the company needed a name that could fill in for Shane's empty slot. Ringside News asked about this report and asked around. And they were told that the decision about Shane McMahon's replacement is already decided. In fact, we learned that this was decided as soon as the decision was made to send Shane home. WWE scrambling to change their plans in a pinch is always a juicy story. So as it turns out, this is not the case this time around. Shane McMahon was sent home and his mania plans were canceled, but the company is not on the search for his replacement for WrestleMania. We were told many things are being discussed for WrestleMania at this time because the card is always... Subject to change. Shane McMahon's replacement 
is not one of the things that the company is still battling with. Now, WrestleVotes tweeted as well about Shane McMahon. He was supposed to be at the top of the WrestleMania card or near the top of the WrestleMania card that WWE is looking for a major attraction. They tweeted this out, and then Ringside News came out with their exclusive report. And WrestleVotes was reporting that Shane McMahon was going to be positioned near the top of the WrestleMania card, and now WWE is looking for a major attraction. Ringside News, like I just read, to you and their report, that decision has already been decided on. Shane McMahon's replacement is already in place. Who is it? Who is it? I don't know. There really isn't many replacements out there. Goldberg is going to Saudi, and then that's it. He's not going to be at WrestleMania, nor should he be. This is his payday. Goodbye. Go fucking retire and go work on your fucking Corvettes. You fucking talentless hack. Bill Goldberg. Nobody wants to see him on WWE television. Brock Lesnar's already in the main event of WrestleMania. Lita is already back on WWE television. Maybe they bring in Trish Stratus. Maybe Sasha Banks doesn't have much to do, or Bayley doesn't have much to do on WrestleMania night one or night two. Maybe they do Bayley or Sasha versus Trish Stratus in a women's dream match. Maybe that is the star attraction. Kurt Angle was supposed to have plans that were reportedly nixed. Maybe those plans are back on the table, and maybe WWE allows Kurt Angle to have one final match in WWE on this year's WrestleMania instead of it having to end with Baron fucking Corbin. Maybe it's the Bella Twins. I heard rumors of the Bella Twins, Nikki and Brie Bella coming on in and challenging for the women's tag team championships and beating Carmella and Zelina Vega. Maybe it's that. Because right now, WWE is completely out of options. It's not The Rock. Rock is not going to be at this year's WrestleMania unless they end the show with him and he comes out in a surprise role and they set up for Los Angeles next year and set up Roman and Dwayne like they did John Cena and Dwayne at WrestleMania all those years ago. One year build, one year in advance. So maybe that is the major star attraction as well. But The Rock is not going to wrestle on this show. He's not. What about Stone Cold Steve Austin? Stone Cold is not wrestling anymore. There really is no more major attractions for WWE. Hell, maybe they maybe they let Hulk Hogan back in the ring. I don't know. The women are probably the most likely of outcomes here. Trish Stratus, Lita, the Bella Twins, Beth Phoenix. Something major along those lines. I could see it being Bailey or Sasha versus Trish, or Bailey and Sasha versus Lita, one or the other. But that remains to be seen. We don't really know. Shane McMahon, by the way, is not a major star attraction. Shane McMahon is nowhere near being a major star attraction. So I find that to be very laughable. So whoever it is, I'm going to go out there and make a prediction. It's probably somebody that I would rather see more than Shane McMahon or the McMahons getting a token title match or a token match at WrestleMania. Because the McMahons are, oh my God, the end-all be-all for star attractions at WrestleMania. WrestleMania is bigger because a McMahon is on the show. No. And finally, guys, Mickey James, hardcore delusional Mickey James, says that she could see Impact and WWE Working together again. (laughs) Oh my God. 
goodness, man. Impact and WWE working together again. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know it was comedy hour here, man. Oh, my goodness. I didn't know it was comedy hour. Mickey James has discussed her Royal Rumble appearance and potential working relationship between WWE and Impact Wrestling. She spoke to Denise Salcedo, right? Yeah, because they all go there, right? And she says this about WWE and Impact working together again in the future. <laughs> Let me swallow. Let me swallow my fucking, uh, my oat square here. Hold on. She says this in that quote. They reached out to Impact. Johnny, people power, pretty much called Scott directly on the phone to say, is this something that would be okay? Would Impact be okay? Because obviously it's a different company, a corporation. And then Scott reached out to me and asked if I would be interested in being in the Royal Rumble and what I would want to do and how I felt about it. And then I was like, absolutely. I was very adamant about wanting to be hardcore country Mickey James and to represent Impact. And I am the knockouts champion. And we presented all of this to him. This is what I wanted. And I talked to Johnny and he spoke to Vince and it all happened. I think, yes, WWE and Impact will work together again. I don't know that it will be immediate. I think this was an opportunity for WWE to test the water to see if it was something people talk and they say this will be great and this will be that. They will get a lot of ratings. This will get big buzz and all that. But until it's actually in front of them, I think they can't actually see it. I feel now that they see the potential and how much the fans responded to it. The idea of it happening with the men or the world's championship, or something like that. Now, at least the idea of that possibly being the case, that door is now open, end quote. WWE had a list of banned words when Mickey James got to the Royal Rumble. They couldn't say impact wrestling because wrestling is a banned word on WWE TV. They would not allow the knockouts women's world championship to be said as such, the word knockout and world champion could not be mentioned on WWE TV. So WWE had all these provisions before Mickey James even got in there. So what type of open door policy is it really? It's WWE pretending to have an open door policy. Mickey James is delusional. She is absolutely delusional if she thinks anything else is going to happen or for that matter, really be important coming out of an Impact WWE partnership. Impact's ratings going into the Royal Rumble were one of the highest in years. After that, people tuned in to see how fucking terrible the show is and the fact that it's recorded in front of fucking 30 people and then they tuned out. The week following the Royal Rumble, the ratings dipped right back to where they were. Barely over 100,000 viewers. I get more viewers on a weekly basis than Impact does their syndicated television show on Axis. There is no forbidden door. There will never be a forbidden door. And Mickey James is delusional. Her appearance in the Royal Rumble meant nothing. And WWE only used it because they had to find women to fill the Royal Rumble because they fired half of the women's division. No, but please, let's 
Oh, make Mickey James being in the Royal Rumble a big fucking deal. You do realize that they let half of their fucking women's roster go, and that's why they called Mickey James to be in the Royal Rumble. Whether she was Impact Knockouts champion or not, it really doesn't fucking matter. She was eliminated in 11 minutes and eliminated by Lita. Goodbye. What impact, no pun intended, did Mickey James make? Zero. I'll have a bigger impact eating these fucking oatmeal squares in about five fucking minutes than Mickey James is going to have ever again in the WWE or any impact WWE partnership will ever have again. <laughs> the fuck out of here, man. Impact and WWE working together. Yeah, yeah, all right. Yeah, sure thing. Sure thing. Yeah, Sasha Banks is coming over for fucking dinner tonight, too. I'm making hamburgers on the grill. Fuck out of here. Anyway, guys, thank you so very much for joining me on Off The Script. If you enjoyed this episode, 412, make sure you guys hit that thumbs up. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. Make sure you guys go out and check out all the other contents on the channel right now, on the homepage. It's all there for you. And I'll be live tonight for SmackDown and AEW Rampage right here from the OTS venue on Off The Script. Have a great Friday, guys, and I'll see you tonight live for SmackDown and Rampage. See you later.